Hello, 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 rad people. I, uh, Dr. Rad, Dr. Radicky, uh, here again today to talk about hernias. Uh, so, um, I think hernias are just absolutely misunderstood, uh, not only by patients, but I think even, even physicians. Um, and, and medical personnel in general. Uh, first, let's do some updates. Um, we've got some good updates. Uh, there's some certainly updates to the website, uh, the, the Dr. Rad MD and the MyRadBody.com websites. I think they have a lot of the content um, has changed in the sense that we started adding a lot more of the other stuff I do, other than obviously weight loss surgery, which is a lot of breast stuff, a lot of breast cancer. Um, Hernias, surgery, obviously, gallbladders, appendectomies, and um, colon cancers, and just just all kinds of stuff. So we wanted to kind of um, increase our range of people that we kind of you know, touch base with and, and the information that we're distributing. So check that out. It's pretty cool. It's a great source for people. There's a lot of videos on there. Um, you can actually watch some of the surgeries we're talking about, um, and it's me doing it. So check it out. Share it. Um Short of that, let's let's get the business to do some educating. So, why are we choosing hernias? So hernias actually affect tons and tons of people. I mean, there's so many kinds of hernias, right? There's there's abdominal hernias like inguinal hernias and belly button hernias. Um, there's hernias, uh, uncle hernias, where your brain herniates out of your skull. There's disc hernias in your back. You herniated a disc, kind of type deal. And from this standpoint. Um, but I think I think let's start with the definition of a hernia. Like, what is a hernia? A hernia, by by definition, in theory, in layman's terms, is is where something from one cavity or space uh, evaginates or protrudes into another space. So, for instance, a belly button hernia. You have the stuff that's in the inside of your abdominal cavity protruding through your belly button, trying to get to another space, right, the outside. Um, but it, for for the purposes of this particular talk, let's actually just stick to abdominal hernias, right? Because that's what I do. Um, There's so many of them, right? There are inguinal hernias, which men and women both get. Uh, but men have a natural weakness uh, for inguinal hernias. And it's because our testicles actually start where women's ovaries uh, are. And then, you know, kind of right before or during birth, uh, they start to descend through the inguinal canal and into the scrotum. The problem is the door doesn't always close. And when it does close, it doesn't even always close well. Uh, so, you know, since we uh, tend to lift things that are heavier than we should, or at least lift uh, inappropriately or improperly, uh, you can certainly get a hernia at that point. And, you know, the problem with hernias is, you know, people ask me all the time, won't this just kind of fix itself? Uh, unless you are a newborn baby, uh, 99 times out of 100, once you have a hernia, it just gets bigger. It actually doesn't fix itself. So so that's a problem, right? And then ultimately, theoretically, you end up in surgery. Um, what is the number one thing I wish primary cares or, or other you know physicians would do? see about hernias or at least think about hernias when or when you go talk to your primary care about hernias one of the things i think that we all just need to genuinely understand is that again it's it's not going to fix itself and the other issue is that they only get bigger hernias don't get smaller and from that standpoint you know ask yourself would you rather fix a belly button hernia you know when it's the size of a, a quarter or a 50 cent piece maybe 
or just one or two little fingers can fit in the hole, or when the thing is just blown out massively. And you know, I certainly have fixed my share fair of both of those, and it is so much easier on not only the surgeon, but obviously the patient. And your recurrence rates, meaning your chances of it ever coming back, are so much lower when you get it fixed when it's just a simple, small hernia. Um, I think the pervading thought, though, is like surgery is bad. You know, like don't go to surgery if you don't have to. And the, that's not always true. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I am one of the first surgeons to tell people, listen, you don't need this. Don't, don't do it. You know, and if you're 95 and you have, you know, 16 heart attacks and two strokes, certainly live with your hernia. You know, we'll only do it if it's an absolute emergency. But for the huge majority of people, don't wait till, you know, your bowel is stuck in your hernia for, you know, 16 hours and you're throwing up your toenails and your abdomen is killing you before it's time to go to surgery, right? Because that's an emergency surgery. It might involve a bowel resection at this point, right? And this is not a good thing. Not a good thing. All right, so let's back up a step and talk about kind of the different abdominal hernias. There are three that you're going to hear, right? There's inguinal, which is down in your inguinal canal in your groins. Uh, there are umbilical, and a lot of people are born with those. It's a natural weakness. Again, uh, that's where your mama was feeding you, uh, you know, from uh, the umbilical cord uh, when you were a baby baby in her belly. And then uh, there are ventral hernias, and of course there's incisional hernias. Ventral hernias are just kind of anywhere on your abdomen and, uh, you know, that are not the belly button or the, or the groin. And then there's incisional hernias. So if, if you've had surgery before on your abdomen, it's now uh, a weak point, right? In theory, even after six months, it's only about 75 to 86% of its original strength. So it's just never going to be the same again. And, and that's still pretty darn strong. Hmm. But never its original strength, right? So those are kind of the three categories we separate them into, right? Like, well, for inguinals, umbilicals, incisionals, and ventral. There are certainly some special hernias, like people have decided to name themselves, uh, or sorry, name these hernias after themselves, you know. Um, but in, in theory, you know, that's not, it, you don't need to know the subspecialty ones for just kind of the generalized talk. Um, okay, what, what would you feel? You know, what is, what is the patient experience with a hernia? Well, what you would typically feel is a, is a bulging, right? Like there's this area that bulges out on me that never used to bulge out on me. Now, bulging doesn't always mean a hernia. It can also mean, you know, muscle weakness. It can just mean nerve injury. It can mean, you know, you have a herniated disc in your back and it's causing muscle weakness because of nerve damage. It can mean many things. Um, but it is not always a hernia. But typically, if you never had this thing yesterday and you lifted some stuff or did some straining and now you have a new bulge, that typically would be a hernia. Again, the biggest places are in the groins or, you know, the belly button. Um, but, you know, it, from, you know, a standpoint of a new bulge, that would be a, a concern. It doesn't always hurt. In fact, many, many times it, it doesn't hurt. Um, and you could kind of feel this bulge, like by your belly button or whatever, and just kind of go bloop and push it back in. You're like, whoa, what was that? You know, and that's a little hernia. Um and those are that that stuff that you're pushing back in is stuff that actually belongs on the inside of your abdomen. That's fatty tissue it can be your bowel, right? And that's the concern is that when you have a small hole, in fact, the smaller holes are a little bit more concerning, right? You have a small hole, let's say the size of a uh, a nickel or a quarter, 
Well, if you cough really good, right, or if you uh, sneeze, or if you pick something up, and you have enough abdominal pressure pushing, or you're constipated trying to go to the restroom, you push hard, and stuff comes out of that hole. And when it comes out the hole, it kind of kind of mushrooms out, almost like you know one of those um, atomic bombs. You know, you see the mushroom cloud; it comes through and then mushrooms out. Well, the problem is once it mushrooms out, it's really hard to get reduced meaning pushed back into your abdomen. Well, the issue at that point is that it can become one of three things, right? One, it's reducible, meaning we can push it back in. Two, it's incarcerated. Incarcerated means just you know, like jail, right? You're stuck. You're stuck in jail. So here you are. You're, the, whatever contents came through that hernia are now stuck, and you cannot reduce them. And then there's number three, which is uh, not just incarcerated, but strangulated, which means it's now cutting off its blood supply. And that becomes an emergency. Incarcerated is an urgency. Strangulated is an emergency, right? Because you have about six to eight hours in theory before whatever lost its blood supply is going to die and need to be removed from your body. So don't do that. Don't wait on that. All right, so reducible, you really shouldn't have any symptoms. I mean, you could have some pain to reduce it, you know, but ah, it's reducible, that's fine. Go get it fixed. All right, uh, incarcerated can be very painful, actually. Uh, can can really hurt. And if you try to reduce it and you're pushing, you're pushing, pushing, it can really hurt. Uh, so pain is definitely one of the number one symptoms. And then strangulated, it means that it's blood supply is cut off. Those are very painful. Somewhere between incarcerated and strangulated, if it's your bowel that's stuck in there, you can also have a bowel obstruction, right? So, you know, food cannot move through that bowel because it is absolutely pinched off in this hernia. And then you start, your, your belly blows up, right? Because all that gas and food that's trying to go through can't, so it backs up. And then you can imagine you get nauseated and feel like throwing up. And that is an absolute emergency. And you need to go to an emergency room ASAP. Um, so those are kind of three definitions that's where hit on. So the hernias by general, uh, generalization are, uh, umbilical or inguinal, ventral or incisional, meaning, you know, from a previous surgery. And then you want to classify them in three ways. So it's reducible, it is incarcerated, or it is strangulated. So once you've got those kind of two categories taken care of, then you kind of need to say, okay, well, what's the urgency here? And again, I would tell you, you know, the risks of hernias are typically very, very low. It's 1% to 3% typically per year, now that is additive, that, you know, something really, really bad is going to happen, right? But the longer you have this hernia, uh, and the bigger it is, the more stuff that can fit in it, right? And that is a concern. And it also doesn't take that that number doesn't take everybody into into account. Imagine that you're a you know a very active person, or that your job is to you know un, offload trucks at you know one of the one of the big stores, Walmart, Target, Home Depot, whatever. Well, you're lifting all the time, right? Or let's just say you have uh, you you struggle unfortunately with constipation. Well, you're pushing all the time, and so from that standpoint you're going to have more of a chance of having a problem with your hernia. Um, so go get it fixed. All right. Now let's talk about fixing a hernia. What, is it, what does it take to actually fix a hernia? Well, back in the day, when I, especially when I first started surgery um, a while back, we did almost all these laparotomies, I mean, sorry, open uh, it through a, what we call a laparotomy, a big incision. And that was a big deal. I mean, that, that, kicked your butt that surgery hurt 
the recurrence rates were high. Uh, they were anywhere from 30 to 60%, um, just kind of depending on you know what you weighed, how unhealthy your tissue was. I mean, you could get it all the way down to one to 3% for inguinal hernias, but it still was just horribly painful. Uh, my first hernia operation was open, and it was, it was a doozy. It was a doozy. Um, and then, we, you know, I think laparoscopy started somewhere. Laparoscopies is, you know, through small incisions, little cameras, little, you know, chopstick kind of type, you know, instruments. That really started in 1991. And then, you know, we've advanced it to the point where we're, we're good at these things now, the, you know, laparoscopic and, and robotic surgeries. So from that standpoint now, we can fix these things not with big incisions, but with tiny ones, small ones. There's a caveat there, right? And I would tell you after doing an advanced laparoscopy and minimally invasive fellowship, you've got to be good at repairing these things laparoscopically or else you're not doing the patient any justice, right? You, you're making their recurrence rates uh, fairly high. So some of us, and, and me included, use what's called a hybrid, right, where we kind of do a little open incision over top of some of these hernias to remove the hernia sac and all this other stuff that's that's very technical. And then laparoscopically, we repair it and place a mesh underneath the hernia. And, um, and I always tell people, you know, when it comes to mesh, that's always a big conversation. It's like, okay, now during the surgery, are you going to use mesh, Dr. Radicke? I said, well, yes, I am. Um, the huge majority of the time, we use mesh. This is not typically the mesh that you, you hear of on, you know, the news or, you know, some infomercial trying to tell you to sue somebody. It's typically, uh, those are typically associated with other surgeries that we, we won't even talk about at this point. The mesh we use today is, is very, very safe. I mean, the huge majority of the time, it does not cause you any problems. And in fact, it significantly reduces your reoccurrence rate, right? Your chances of getting another hernia in the same area. And so I will tell you... Um, with with strong opinion uh, that you know mesh is a good thing. It it strengthens you. It keeps your hernias from coming back. Um, having said that, you know if you go in and you get a laparoscopic hernia repair through a couple small holes, your pain is actually don't get me wrong. Your pain is still there. If you put a piece of mesh in to cover this thing, it, they got to sew it in or we tack it in, and those little screws, those tacks hurt. Um, we thank God, have invented some much better numbing medication that numbs you for a much longer period of time. So, you know, people don't experience nearly the discomfort that they used to experience from, you know, back in the day when I first started doing these hernia repairs. So I will tell you that the surgeries are not that bad. And I think a lot of the people who refuse to send their patients to surgeons to get their small hernias fixed, it's because they think it's just going to be horrible. And it is not horrible anymore. So again, it, you know, if, if if you are a physician and you're thinking about saying to your patients for repair, if you are, you know, a consumer, a patient, um, I would strongly urge your, your primary care or whatnot to send you to a surgeon just to discuss it because it's not nearly what it used to be. Um, okay, so let's say we fix your hernia and we throw a piece of mesh in there so it's not coming back and you're good. You feel great. Your, your pain is about 20% better every day. That's kind of what I genuinely tell people. So after about five days, you really just don't have much pain. Now, if you go do something, like bend over, pick up a laundry basket, you're, you're going to feel it. But it's really not that bad after about five days. So people say, well, what are my restrictions? Well, restrictions after surgery are still, they haven't changed that much. For laparoscopic or robotic hernia repair, we usually tell people three weeks 
nothing bigger than a milk carton, right? Which is the other way to say it is really nothing over 20 pounds. Um, that is because those first three weeks of healing, uh, you got to really get that mesh incorporated into your own tissue to make you stronger. And you get a huge majority of your healing in those first three weeks. Then we tell people another three weeks of nothing ridiculous, which we used to tell people six weeks period, nothing over 20 pounds. But I think after three weeks, you can, if it's done laparoscopically or minimally invasively of some sort, uh, you can certainly get back to, you know, most activities, you know, just no crazy lifting, no heavy, heavy lifting. And the other problem is that, you know, obviously the pain pills uh, postoperatively can give you constipation and you sit there on the toilet and you push really hard while you're creating intra-abdominal pressure. And, and that, that can become a problem. It can bust out your hernia repair. So be careful with that. But um, typically, you can go back to work within just a couple of weeks, you know, one to two weeks, as long as you're careful and you have your restrictions in place. Um, and that's it. That's it for, for kind of hernia talk. Uh, those are just abdominal wall hernias. Um, the only caveats and the kind of bonus talk uh, beyond this is that, you know, there's a thing called diastasis recti. Both women after you know, having babies and typically men because men wear, where do we gain our weight? Well, we have chicken arms and chicken legs and we have, you know, that's where we gain our weight is inside our abdomen. So we kind of get bigger bellies as we get older. So we call that central obesity. Well, the issue there is that you, you can actually cause your rectus muscles to expand outwards, but they don't come straight out, right? They kind of, it's like a, an expanding planet or expanding sphere. They kind of go out and get kind of pushed out. So you can have this dome right in the middle. Usually it's from your belly button up to your breastbone. And that dome in the middle when you kind of tuck your head or if you're trying to do a sit-up and you look down and you see this big dome, that's called a diastasis recti. It's where your, your rectus muscles are just kind of spread apart. It's not a hernia. It is just cosmetic. Uh, there are ways to fix it. But you know, again, I'm not, not sure if it's worth it. Certainly, you know, it's a personal decision. Um, but you will not have any complications from that. Um, the other caveats to this, this story are recurrent hernias, right? When you're going in to fix one that's already been fixed and it's already got a piece of mesh in there and it's going to be a lot of adhesions, those are a different story. Those are a whole other kind of monster for surgeons. And so the only thing I'd tell you there is just be careful uh, choosing your surgeon. Make sure they're well-versed in, you know, incisional hernias that are recurrent and these are kind of a much bigger deal. Back in the day when we cut everybody stern to stem, you know, a lot of these people now are the baby boomers and beyond, and they're having a lot of hernia issues. And so these, you know, just make sure you choose your, your surgeon wisely. You can make sure they have a lot of experience with that. Um, all right. Well, listen, uh, please post your questions, uh, and I will try to get to them and answer as many as I can. Uh, this has been another exciting podcast. Let me know what topics you guys would like to talk about, and I will try to hook you up. Have a good day.